0: Welcome everyone to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. Kellen Wellborn is with me today, so Kellen, it is so damn good to be back here at Man Up headquarters with you to hang out in person and actually get a new show recorded.
1: I know it's like we have been away for a while, and it's you and I have talked over the phone, but the face to face, dude, I miss this. Right? This
0: is really weird. Yeah, and awesome. Yeah, it's great.
1: (laughs) So I'm vaccinated. Yep, vaccinated. Everybody in my family, but Quinn. That. Darn those young kids and not being vaccinated. And yet. I'm a
0: hugger too. So I kind of yeah. want to have the vaccine sticker to say vaccinated and willing to hug.
1: Yeah. Like yeah.
0: That is, that's big for me. So it's awesome to see you. So I have been out of commission a little bit because chemo, but I'm back and I could not be more excited to welcome our guest today. It's a big day. This is one of our favorite people in the world. And you may have heard of him. Patrick Dempsey, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank
2: you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad it's worked out. I'm currently in Dublin, Ireland. we got great reception. And, uh, it's good to see and hear everybody. I'm vaccinated. I got my vaccination done. Family's been vaccinated. I'm, I like, it's so nice you can actually have contact with people yeah. again. You know, like to your point, it's like it's hard not hugging people. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's really hard because you're like, is that okay? Is that all right? Because people get so freaked out. We're so used to Protecting ourselves.
1: And I think that's where you and I differ, Trevor, is that you're a big hugger. Yep. I'm not. Not so much. So I feel like COVID was like, <laughs> COVID was a little bit like that that personal buffer zone. And so now I'm reentering into the world of being like, right, right, people want to be in my space. Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, Patrick, thank you so much for taking the time, especially being over there in Dublin. This is just, it's an honor for us to um, spend time with you today. So before we dive into conversation, we got a lot to get to. Okay. Um, but I need to give my introduction of Patrick because it's going to be different than a lot of people's introduction of him. So much of the world knows you as so many of your iconic roles on TV and film. And, and that's awesome. Uh, there's nothing. I'm not taken away from that. You've had a truly exceptional career, but I know you for something different to me. You're a real life hero and you are someone that has made life better and continues to make life better for people going through cancer And for families affected by cancer including myself personally and my family so i just want to say that as my introduction to patrick and that's enough said i'll get a little i'll get going here but um in 2008 patrick founded the dempsey center here in our home state of maine real briefly the dempsey center provides services classes workshops that improve the quality of life for people impacted by cancer. This includes counseling, support groups, nutrition, fitness classes, massage, Reiki, acupuncture, all the holistic stuff, all provided at no cost to clients. Patrick, thank you for creating this wonderful resource.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it's very moving to hear you say all these things. And, you know, of course, I lost my mother to ovarian cancer. And and even in the darkness of that, the real beauty that came out of that is the center yeah. and, and filling the need of the community. So I got to, on behalf of, the, you know, everybody at the center, the staff and the volunteers and everybody that make it work and, you know, and all the fundraising activity that we do and all the people that contribute make it possible. And uh, I want to give uh, a thanks to them. Absolutely. And to you. And I'm glad you're getting some benefit from it. I'm glad you're using it. Oh, man. Your family's using it. And it's making an impact that's a positive thing in your life. And that's... The whole intention behind it.
0: Absolutely, and we're gonna get we're gonna circle more on the Dempsey Center later, but right now we have to pivot a little bit because we need to satisfy your rabid fan base, <laughs> including <laughs> including my soon to be sixteen year old Sage, uh, by talking a little bit about your acting life um, before we get to the Ireland thing. Let's talk. I need to talk about Grey's Anatomy a little bit. Sage used – my, my daughter, Sage, is a Graze freak. She puts on her Grays T-shirt and socks when she watches Grays. So she um, she used the word triumphant when talking about your return to Grays this past season. Um, what, what was it? What were some of the emotions you felt about about going back to Grey's Anatomy after so
2: long away? Well, the intention was really – it really came from, okay, how can we get people to wear masks? I mean, it was almost a year ago to the day – where Ellen and I got together, and we were like, what can we do? Because we're just getting, you know, the mask wearing is becoming so political. What could we do? And then Krista Burnoff is like, hey, we would love you to come back. I'm like, how am I gonna come back? <laughs> you know, he was killed in a car accident. She goes, well, what we wanna do is we wanna actually go and lean into COVID that uh, Meredith comes down with COVID and she's in a coma and you come back and you visit her in her dreams. And I was like, it took the breath away for a moment. I was like, oh my goodness. I never thought I'd ever return to Grey's right. Anatomy, ever. And, um And then I was like, wow, that could be really interesting. And of course the fans have been wanting it. They really want that couple reunited. And then we were like, okay, let's do it. But how can we do it in a way that can be a total surprise to people? And we somehow pulled it off, you know, in the midst of everything that was going on in LA at the height of everyone getting COVID. Uh, we were in, we were shooting on the beach and we felt really safe and secure. And, uh, you know, we knew we were doing something special. It was very moving to all of us. It was just great to return to it. I mean, it was something that has profoundly changed our lives. Everyone who's been involved in Grey's Anatomy for over the 19 years it's been going on, <laughs> yeah. it just continues to go. And every generation starts to rediscover it and they fall in love with this couple. And it was it's nice to be able to do something that's positive and has a really good impact in people's lives. And that's that sort of that was the intention and it was great. And then you get the response like that, so it's triumphant. So we succeeded, but it's nice.
1: Yeah, the multi generational piece of Greys has been kind of astonishing to me. I mean, I I think originally came out when I was yeah. I I don't remember my age but it was you know I was in my 20s and and then I was at the Dempsey Challenge um with a f- friend of mine who works for Positive Tracks and we were helping on that day and I was walking around behind you at one point and the teenage girls that were coming up to you for greys I was like oh this is again coming again? back yeah. like it was just really kind and of And they this couldn't moment. have foreseen
0: that when they started yeah. out like the whole streaming stuff and all these shows coming back like friends and greys like right yeah. like
2: it's it's been incredible. I mean, we started, I think, in 2005. We did the pilot, yeah. Or yeah. something like that. And um, look at it now. I mean, it's it's incredible. And it is. It's like a new generation discovers it. And certainly during COVID as well. Uh, 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 an, another younger generation is discovered.
1: Does that make you a renaissance man? Just like generations of, you know, people? It just makes me really old. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's funny, I walk around now and I, you know, I'm close to a school here in this little village outside of Dublin. And I, 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 I hit the timing completely wrong and school had let out. Was, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and then everybody turned because they know I'm in town shooting Disenchanted, which is the sequel to Enchanted. And I was like, "Oh boy, here it goes!" And everybody was cool, but it was—it took me a while to kind of get through everyone. <laughs> yeah. But it was very positive energy, which is always nice. Oh, so,
0: Disenchanted. Tell us about that, and, and getting over to Ireland this summer. Yeah, so
2: we shot Enchanted 14 years ago. I loved with, uh, that movie. The boys, my twin boys, weren't even born yet. We had found—I uh, found out halfway through shooting that my wife Jillian was pregnant with twins and uh now you know they're 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 going to be here they're 15 years old and it's it's crazy awesome. so it's fun. so i get to sing and dance in this um and the story's really good it's very clever how we return to the to the story and to the characters and i'm, I'm having a really good time
1: so it sounds like this past year has really been like kind of like a returning to characters you know, putting mm. on like a comfy sweater, you know, you're just like coming back to these, you know, characters that really were great characters. It's been comfort
2: food in a lot yeah. of ways, you know, just uh, on the soul level. it's uh, it's nice to be working really happy because when we got shut down, was like, you know, everybody was panicked. Right. Like, what are we going to do? Uh, when are we going to work again? Will we work again? What's happening? Um, and then things started to heat up and I knew everything was getting pushed to this year to work and that even season two of devil. So I've been going nonstop and I've been on the road since January and I'm I'm really grateful to be working. And it's been a wild ride because I've had over 30 days of quarantining everywhere I go. So there's been a lot of isolation, a lot of time to think and, and to be with myself. And, you know, you sort of take in all the good things that are happening. Yeah, and uh, you know, like we talked about earlier before we came on air, is like really remembering to be grateful and and, and gratitude and, and those type of things. So I'm really happy for that, um, and to be able to return and to do something in a healing way is really positive.
0: When do you um, think you're going to spend time in Maine next?
2: I should finish up here end of July and not be there uh, end of July. In
1: August. Oh, prime time. Yeah. Like yeah. you're not one of those people who comes in yeah. March. Good yeah. good thinking.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like it all year round, yeah. I really do. You know, but uh there's always something going in it because of the four seasons, it's always changing. There's always a new discovery in nature. Absolutely. So that I love.
0: So let's circle on the Dempsey Center. So for those who don't have a background on it, can you tell us about your mother, Amanda, and the roots of the center?
2: Yeah, my mother was diagnosed, oh gosh, I think in 97, something like that, with ovarian cancer and had over 12 reoccurrences. And um, it was really tough on the family. And Thank God for my sister, Mary, who worked in the hospital at Central Maine Medical, mm. could help us navigate all of uh, you know the doctors and the examinations and, and and helped us process all that information. It's
0: overwhelming, yeah.
2: And. It's really overwhelming and you don't know what to do. I was, of course, in Los Angeles, so I was really removed from it. And it's very hard you, know, you feel helpless and you don't know where to turn. There's so many choices, there's so much information. If you're on the internet, you know, there's way too much information and you can go down the rabbit hole and, and with the good stuff or even with the bad stuff. Um, and. That's where it really began. And then it wasn't until like the first year of Grey's Anatomy, people started going, okay, so what's your cause? What do you stand Mm. for? I'd never been asked that before. And right around the same time, Amgen came to me and asked me to sort of be the spokesman because of uh, the medical show, being a doctor, certainly people were projecting that onto you and I was holding that and they were like, you know, we wanna wanna use your image and, and help us promote, you know, the Angiator of California, and also Breakaway from Cancer, the support groups and that. Sure. And that's how it began, where they were doing a health and wellness center, and certainly uh, complementary care and things like that, complementary medicine, we call it now. But that's where a light bulb went off, and I was like, do we have anything like that in Maine? You know, is there anything like that that supports? So I called Mary, and I asked her, I was like, well, what, is there anything there? Would you find out? I think it was Carrie Irish who Mary turned to and asked. And we did a little bit of some research to see if the community was open to it. And then that's how it began. And now we're into it 14, 15 years later, you know. And it just all started from Grey's Anatomy, my mother's impact, what can we do, feeling helpless, and then what's the bigger cause. And that's where it started. And the great thing is that all of our services are absolutely free. Right. We've been able to do that. Uh, and to create a center where the services are constantly changing with the feedback we get from the clients that come in. And and hopefully, you know, we're making life better for people. That, that's the key. And it's been the greatest, most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life.
0: It's fantastic. It's such a unique, wonderful resource. And the thing that strikes me about it when you talk about it is, you know, the, the services that are provided through the center are all the things that when you're going through cancer – and you're in that system <laughs> you know the medical providers are doing their best but but it, they're just focused on treating your cancer and there's just so much more to it that that needs to be addressed the holistic piece of it whether it's the nutrition or the or the fitness or the um counseling so all of those things the human touch are, the, the human, human touch,
2: touch is missing and you have yeah. to understand the doctors are overwhelmed right they're trying to get through their list they, They have all of that going on. And we really do complement their work. Exactly. Uh, And, you know, so that their stress level goes down, we can hopefully prepare people where they're stronger emotionally and mentally going in. I think we can do a better job where we can, you know, make the contact as soon as you get diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And this is our goal is to be there side by side at the very beginning. So you can start while you're waiting for these results to come back that we're there helping you with the the mental aspect. And, okay, what are you doing for diet? What are we doing with your family? How do we start to set things up to take the stress away? You know, that's that's what we're trying to do. And we continue to refine those services.
0: For all these years, there are these in-person services. And like you said, that human touch and actually seeing people in person. So for the people in Maine, that's a wonderful resource. But then COVID comes along and really shakes things up in terms of pivoting toward The virtual world and providing services in that way. Now, that posed a lot of challenges for you. But in some ways, uh, there's some silver linings there that you're able to reach a wider and broader audience that, that maybe can't make it in person to your facilities.
2: Right. So what we have now is Dempsey Connects, which is the virtual service and using the technology that we have. It's always something we've been wanting to do And it was something we were planning, but it wasn't until COVID where we sort of really accelerated that program and the team just did a fantastic job at pivoting and making it possible for us. You know, we couldn't do the Reiki, we couldn't do the acupuncture, things like that, but everything else we can do. uh, And that was available. And we were up and online very quickly after that. a real testament to the leadership at the center, the staff and the volunteers really stepping up and making it possible which is good. And I don't think we're gonna go back. I mean, we're gonna have a soft opening in July with everything going well. And I think, you know, leadership in the state of Maine has been very good. You know, I think people are getting vaccinated. I think if you haven't been vaccinated, you gotta get out there and do it. Uh, I've done it. My whole family has done it. You know, nothing weird happens. I mean, you do, it affects everybody a little differently. You might have a fever or something like that, but it's really important. And you're seeing the numbers starting to decrease. And I'm telling you, I'm in Europe, I've been in Italy, and I've been in other parts of Europe and they're not getting the vaccines and they're still locked up. So we're very lucky to be able to have these opportunities. So if you haven't been vaccinated yet, please go out and get vaccinated so that we can open up the doors to the center, and get people in there. We can hug each other and then we can see each other in person, and have that human contact.
0: And I've been very fortunate to be able to continue my group counseling and individual counseling at the Dempsey Center virtually. Um, so I, I do that through online and, and I've been able to keep that up through my entire, as I go through my treatment, um, I haven't been disrupted at all. So that's a testament to you and the board, the staff, everyone. I have a big question about moving forward. So I have a lot of people in the man up to cancer community that are super jealous of me, but because of the services I received at the center, they're always telling me, man, I wish we had a Dempsey center, you know, in, in my neck of the woods in different parts of the country. That might not be feasible right in the short term, but what's your idea on how we can spread this idea of holistic services and and complementary services? How do we get that in other places?
2: Well, I think that that's what we're trying to do, and I, there's actually a place called the Purple Door here in in Ireland that does a lot of similar work that we do at the center. And these are big discussions that we have with the board and with the staff. I mean, to open brick and mortar uh, all over the world is just then we'd be just spending all our time raising money. So what we want to do is connect to other other like-minded centers around the world so that we have a network. So if I run into somebody who lives anywhere in the world, I can go, oh, I know exactly where to send you. Here, if you're in Ireland, you're in Dublin, go to the Purple Door. They're going to take care of you. And that's what we're trying to do, is have a nationwide, worldwide network where we're all connected and then we can share best practices on how we can do our service, you know, how can we make a stronger impact in people's lives? So that's something we do think about. But to, to be able to keep our program up and running so that the services are without cost, we want to be strategic in the state of Maine. I think virtually it's really good, we can reach more people, that way it cuts the cost down. Um, we would love to get into northern Maine. I think there's a tremendous need up there because a lot yes. of people are coming down and getting their services in Boston. and It would be nice to have centers along the way. So if you're in northern Maine, you're coming down and you're getting treated outside the state, like Mass General, my mother was treated there. you know. So they have little rest stops along the way and we can help them and also just have a, a, a stronger outreach throughout the state of Maine so that anyone who's diagnosed, we can be able to be there for them as soon as that moment happens. So they're not alone. That's our goal. And then you have to spread the word. So it's using that platform, the visibility, and, you know, people knew that I was here and that center reached out to me. So that's the kick is really kind of getting out there and, and spreading the word.
1: Sharing the operational success that the Dempsey Center has had with smaller organizations or like you're saying, the network, because operational systems is really hard for small nonprofits to understand, you know, how to really effectively, use the staff they have the resources they have and you guys have done that pretty well right and you want to keep
2: your overhead down you know and make sure that those services are getting the money's going to the the people that need it not your staff and not this huge organization and we talked a lot about that when we shut down we were like okay how are we going to raise money how are we going to keep these doors open and to the credit of the board and everybody involved have done a great job at managing the money being respectful of the money that comes in because it's, it's the community that's keeping us afloat. It's all the people that do the fundraising that make it possible. So it's really shared and empowered by the community. And we have to take that model and take that around the world. So if it's supported by the community and local organizations, then you're making a stronger impact in your community, which I think is very important.
0: It's actually a great segue into the primary fundraiser for the center. So the Dempsey Challenge, the beloved Dempsey Challenge, has been forced to evolve as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that's looked like.
2: Well we had to do it virtually last year, right? So we had Zwift, which is this great online training app that we could use It's sort of, you know, sort of like zoom on steroids and you have your trainer and your bike. And we had a great, you know, worldwide turnout and the numbers were surprisingly high for us. We reached—we didn't quite reach the, the number that we wanted, but we did better than we anticipated. So this year we'll do it in person, we'll do it uh, the 25th and uh, 26th of September, and we'll also do the virtual event as well, using the same technology so that people around the world can can get involved, and that way, it's a better way to spread the word as well. I was,
0: could you, for those who aren't familiar with the Dempsey Challenge, could you give a quick um, summary of what it is?
2: Right. So this all started with the the origin of, of the center, which was the, the Amgen Tour de California, which was a professional bike race. And certainly, my relationship with Specialized has been great. And I was like, well, you know, I think it was Peter Chalk who was uh, eventually goes, why don't we do a bike event? Because I didn't want to do another banquet or something like that. Let's do something we can promote, you know, quality of life and, and take care of yourself and, and, and physical exercise. So we do a, a run, a walk, and a ride. Um, and we've done it every year. And that's how we raise money to really kind of keep the doors open. And it's a, it's a great thing to do and to motivate you and to challenge yourself. The Dempsey Challenge is really to challenge yourself physically and also with the fundraising dollars. Like, you know, the top fundraisers, we, we celebrate them. And then it's just really to promote people being active. And like here, you know, I'm on the bike and I'm riding around and it's great because I know I'm I'm, I'm motivated to get to the challenge and I really want to to do the century this year. So I'm, I'm out there and I'm training. And it's been hard because the last year, and I think we've all had a, a really hard time keeping up our conditioning and, and exercising properly. And I was just really happy to hear that, okay, we can finally do it in person this year. So it just has really helped starting me and getting my, my physical regime back together. Therefore, then it helps me mentally as well. So that's the intention of the challenge as well as raising money.
0: And one priority I know that you have is to make sure that all precautions are taken to protect the health and the well-being of cancer patients, you right. know, a, a population that is vulnerable. And, and that certainly was took place last year, obviously. I imagine this year there's going to be precautions as well.
2: Yeah, we're working with the state. We're working with everybody there, and following the guidelines, and really um, listening to them and taking their cues. And we we want to have a very healthy, safe environment for people, um, and we're we're taking steps to do that.
0: So you're gonna be you're gonna be in Maine for the 2021 and riding the century.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yes. Awesome. No question about it. It was funny. We made the announcement, I think last week and people were like, are you coming? I'm like, of course I'm coming. <laughs> I, cannot miss it. I love the event. It's so much fun. And my family looks forward to it. You know, the boys and my daughter and, and my wife, they, they all love that event. And it's, it's such a great celebration of life. And it's a great way to see the state at that time of year too. Really phenomenal.
0: Where do people, for, so for those listening who are just learning about it, DempseyCenter.org.
2: Uh, DempseyChallenge.org.
0: DempseyChallenge.org. Yeah.
2: I, you, yeah, yeah. You go to Dempsey Challenge or you go to the Dempsey Center and there's an app there. And there's actually an app you can use as well. Awesome. So just, if you just get online and go to Dempsey Center or Dempsey Challenge, that's, that's all you need to yeah. do and then the rest will follow. <laughs> right? But it's Dempsey Challenge.org.
1: Yeah, it feels like um, in a year where people have been, you know, having to delay their care or even their screenings and things like that, yeah. this year the Dempsey Challenge is and Dempsey Center is going to be really servicing a new population of very vulnerable people because of the fact that, I mean, you're already reading the statistics of people having to have delayed care and how, how that's yeah. going to affect the downstream nature of cancer care. Well, that's the other thing
2: that we're you know really thinking about, too, because so many people have missed their screenings. Yeah that we're, you know, we're preparing for that flood of new diagnosis because people haven't had their screening. So we were like, okay, we got to be right. prepared for that as well. Will we be prepared? What can we do? What can't we do? So, yeah. So if you haven't had the opportunity to go get your screenings, please do it. I know it's a pain, literally, it's a pain, Something. Yeah. but you got to do Absolutely. it, you know, just for your peace of mind and for your family and for yourself. And knowing you
1: know. that supporting something like the Dempsey Center right now is going to be crucial in these following months.
0: And I just think about the emotion of it, like when it comes this fall and people are able to see each other in person. I know there's going to be the virtual piece, which is going to be great, but for those who are able to make it in person, I think it's just going to be an outpouring of... Tears. Are we Uh,
2: talking about tears? It's going to be a (laughs) tear fest. Tears and emotion. And once again, that's why it's really important to get vaccinated.
1: Yeah. Yes. So
2: you can really celebrate and not have that that worry uh, there, you know, where you can go, okay, I feel good, you know. And then you talked about, you know, also you're getting treatment there. Are you using the services for, you know, your family as well. We support the family too. I think that's important to get that message.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So our, both of my daughters, our daughters are participating in the healing tree services through the Dempsey Center and are connecting with other teenagers who have a, have a parent or, you know, going through cancer. And that has really made a big difference for them.
2: Good. Yeah. I've had an opportunity to sit in some of those programs and, You know, everybody approaches it differently and everybody's impacted in a different way, whether it's they themselves who have the cancer, a family member, grandparents, something like that. And it's really nice to see their peers taking care of each other. Oh man. And, And how the kids really, they come in and they're shut down. And then by the end of it, they start to open up and you see how much lighter they are when they leave. And that it's really a great program. And for all those people out there, if you're worried about your kids and your family, we're there for you too.
0: Definitely. And so it's funny because I, you know, I give them their privacy. So they've been doing, they go on the the Zoom call and and they meet up with a bunch of other teens who who are impacted by cancer, have a family member impacted by cancer. And I'm not listening to what they're saying because that would be a privacy violation. But at the end. It sounds like you're
1: kind of listening. Well, no, no. So I'll I'll just
0: be downstairs. You're watching Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be downstairs doing something and I'll hear them laughing. You know, that sound. You know, when when you're a family going through cancer, the, the stress can be high. There can be times when it feels like the joy gets sucked out of the place, and to hear them just laughing with their peers so they come down, and I was like, "Wow, you guys are really having a good time up there on on with the, those other teens and 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 that's just a wonderful that's just a wonderful resource and and very thankful for that. yeah, that's a
2: great program, it's really well run and it's 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 really special, so it's good to have that and I'm glad you're taking advantage of it Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> it is time to dive into our talk about men and cancer. Um, so. Yeah, good.
2: So the numbers on that are really interesting. Because there's 77% of women use our facility and 22% of men do. And I think that's something we really, we have to like, and I get, I mean, it's very hard sometimes to ask for help, but what do you think that is? I mean, you're really in the midst of it right now. How can we do a better job of getting men to use the facility?
0: Role models like you. Role models like a bunch of the people in Man Up to Cancer, who are out there and 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 willing to put themselves out there and be vulnerable and say, you know what, accepting help is actually a pretty strong thing to do. And if I'm going to be here for my family, you know, I, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to accept help. So redefining, saying that accepting help is a merit and an attribute of strength and courage is where we need to start.
1: Yeah, flipping that stereotype of what warrior stands for is really, I think, been a crucial piece of what the messaging you've been putting out. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's the thing of being a male, is there's strength in showing vulnerability. There is no strength in in covering it up. That's a sign of weakness in many ways, like I've got it together. Because when you show your vulnerability, that doesn't mean you lose your strength, you're empowered when you do that, and that you'll be met with that. And I always find that, you know, when I see a man who sort of shows the vulnerability, I respect that, um, and I give them the space, but at the same time, I embrace them as well. And I get them and I meet them where they want to be met. And, um, you know, I've seen it time and time again, certainly with certain generation of men. You know, it's very hard to them, especially Mainers. They're very independent. (laughs) They're very strong, but they're the first ones to be there for you when you need something. That's right. You know, so you've just got to flip it around. And I know we've had trouble with some men, but once they come in and they just see everybody and they get it, they're like, okay, I'm here, I'm here. It's just, it's just number one, it's admitting to, to yourself on a deep level that you have cancer when you walk in the door, and that's hard. And I get that. Yeah. And then when you're in there, you're embraced and we wanna empower you. So you're in control of your own destiny at that point. If, it depends on what you want out of us. So you tell us what you want and we're gonna deliver and customize that care for you. So you don't lose anything, right. you gain a lot of,
0: Well, and I think it's also the other thing that we need to do is just meet men where they're at with what they need, because, you know, maybe a guy doesn't want to come in and sit around in a circle and and share his deepest feelings in a co-ed group, but maybe he, he would feel more comfortable doing that in a men's only group, which has been a wonderful thing. And thank you and the Dempsey Center for allowing me to, I do two Zoom calls a month. Um, with with just men only through the Dempsey Center for guys here in Maine who are impacted by cancer. And that's been a wonderful place because sometimes there is that shame and embarrassment around admitting some of our feelings when we're in a co-ed space and that's okay. And then secondly, maybe guys are just looking to connect in, in other ways, like find a friend and go out and do something, go to a ball game, go to a dinner. And that's another wonderful thing about life opening up again is that we can gather with, as men who are going through cancer, we can gather together and just go out and do something fun and not have to sit around and and talk about it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, that's the thing is also the mentor program that we have with people who are going through that are survivors themselves. And we can set you up with somebody like that, but you make a good point. I mean, you're using the, what can we do to improve our program? What would you like to see that we're not doing? (laughs) <laughs> wow! Talk about putting me on the not Yeah, like, <laughs> I didn't prepare that in my notes. <laughs> well, it's something to think about. If you can't come up with it right now and it comes to you, I'd love to know because we talked about this a couple of years ago. Right? Like, you know, we were like, well, how can we keep developing these programs?
0: You know, I think I think the programs are are fantastic. I think you have the menu, and, and certainly there's, I'm sure, room for. Improvement, but I think what it is is the marketing, and it's it's getting guys to more men to get involved and put their faces out there and say like, "Hey, the Dempsey Center made a big difference in my life." So again, back to the role model. Well, that's you, man. We got to get you (laughs) doing. I'm one of them. We need more guys.
1: Yeah. It sounds like, you know, uh, you having communication with patients on that up front and letting them know the resources there, you know, that's a major hurdle probably for, right. you know, as you mentioned, Patrick, the, that doctors are overwhelmed already. And so thinking of that additional piece of information to give their patient, especially their male patients, you know, is kind of, you know, probably a hard, a hard barrier to breach. Yes.
2: Yeah. It is. It's. It's. Once again, it gets back to the vulnerability and just getting the messages going, hey, yeah, yeah. Here we are. And then, and, and I think changing the preconceived notion of what that's going to be. Yeah. You know, if they could see it and feel it, I think that would help tremendously. It certainly would for me. You know, it's like I want to get in there. Uh, you know, I'd rather be outside. I'd rather go do something active than be. Inside. Well, and I, yeah, yeah. I want to go into my own cave and hide out for. We hear that
1: a lot from the men that we've spoken to, especially on this podcast, about the the ways that they have felt proactive in their own care and mental health care. You know, a lot of it is an active way to deal. You know, like there's a lot of men who are using physical activity with other men to kind of find that support.
0: You know, let's talk about the stakes for a little bit here because this is not. Some trivial thing like, oh, men are in their man caves and, and they're isolating like no big deal. It is a big deal because all the statistics, all the science, all the studies show that people who isolate during cancer have worse outcomes than people who don't like we're talking that your medical outcome is going to be poor. It's going to be worse. If you're isolating during cancer, your relationships are going to be, are going to suffer. You know, there, there's a high rate of relationships that that break and divorce as people are going through cancer and mental health, your mental health is just going yeah. to suffer, you know, the rates of depression and anxiety, all the things that happen when you're isolating and going through cancer as well. So when I talk to men about avoiding isolation, I say, you know, the, <laughs> That we're not just, it's not fluffy stuff here. Like, this is real. You got to get out of your man cave. You got to connect with others in whatever way is comfortable for you, but please don't isolate. Right, exactly. I
2: mean, I've had 30 days of isolation because of COVID, and I'm not even dealing with those issues. And I know what it does to me psychologically having that information. Like, I got to get out. I got to get at least exercise, do something or have a conversation with somebody because you start to just go crazy with the voices in your head if you don't sort of get it. So I can only imagine what it would be like if you have that diagnosis and you're not, you know, what that's going to do to you. So good point there.
0: Also, we talked about this accepting help and you brought it up and that's nail on the head is that's the a big barrier for a lot of guys is number one, just that it's okay to accept help. So redefining that.
2: Or maybe redefine the question, Not it's not help, it's direction. Mm. Maybe I just need some direction where I can empower myself and go, okay, what can I do to take care of myself? Give me the direction. Tools, yeah, just yeah give me, right, empower. Yeah, give, me yep. the tool, give me the toolbox so that I can go fix this on my own or or just if I need some help or an apprenticeship, something Love like that, that just, just give me the tools. Right. And,
0: the, and they're available, right. And then the second issue is this feeling of not wanting to burden others. And that's something that I definitely personally experienced. Like when I, that first period when I got diagnosed and, and then really started to suffer with some anxiety and depression and mental health issues, one of my things was I just wanted to go off into the woods and and disappear because I felt like I was just going to be a burden to my family and my community. And and I just, I didn't want to do that. And, And so part of me was just like, okay, go disappear. And you realize that that's not a solution right? That, you know, that's, no one's going to be better off if, if I just went away. Like, but I think that's an initial response that a lot of guys have is like, I'm supposed to be the one taking care of my family. And here I am now I'm a patient and I'm being, my wife's taking care of me. My kids are taking care of me. Everyone's taking care of me. I don't want to feel like that. And so that's a, that's a tough nut to crack. And it's something we talk a lot about in our community. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, no. I, a couple of things. Like sometimes you need to kind of go into the cave for a little mm-hmm. bit, just just to kind of get in touch with what's going on within True. yourself, and that's okay, yeah. you know. And, and you need to be able to be like, look, I'm going to go away for a minute. I'm going to hibernate because I need to collect my thoughts. I need to connect to what I'm feeling, and then I'm going to come out of that hibernation, and I'm going to. I want to be able to communicate mm-hmm. that. I think there's something in that. I think we need to honor that instinct, in, in men. Yep. Um, be respectful of that, but at the same time, don't get lost in the cave. Right, you got to come. You got to come out of the cave, right? Because you, you know, the darkness is just too dark in there.
0: Well, right, and that you can you can regain your role. Like things are different. Things th- things are gonna be different going through cancer, but that you can regain your sense of self, and, and that your roles as a dad and a husband, and, and it's you don't have to lose those things. But again, you got to go to the toolbox. It doesn't just happen if you just stay in your cave and and you just dwell on things, I knew that I wasn't going to get better on my own without using the tools that were available to me, including the Dempsey Center tools. And 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 then you want to get
2: back to life as normal, right? So you're going to be juggling all of the stuff like, okay, you got the chemo going on, you got your doctor's appointments, then you want to go back and live a normal life. You want to be able to pick your kids up at school. You want to be able to make breakfast for them. You want to be able to take them to the soccer game or whatever it is. So you're going to have to have the team in place to give you the strength to do it. And then you're going to have days where it's like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to make it. You know, I've got, I've got to go do chemo. I'm not feeling good. I got to go do something. And that was the one thing that my mom was like, she goes, I don't want to waste away and I need something to do. I need to go to work and people who have the diagnosis, that's an important thing you want to, you know, it's different now. It's a different generation where people are not going to look at you. They're going to be, they're going to accept it. And they're going to support you at work. So you want to get back to purpose, work, yes. But you want to have the right, yes. You have that have purpose. We all need purpose in our life, and, and with a diagnosis, you know you're looking at the time clock, right? You don't know what's going that's to right, that. right? And so every moment is important, and you want to be productive. You want to make the most of what's going on in your life. So you got to make sure you're feeding yourself and doing all that. And look, if you're an athlete and you're going to go to the Olympics, you have a team around you to get you there. It's the same principle. It's like you're training, but it's your Olympics is survival. That's right. You that's, know? So that's true. your gold medal. Yep. So your gold medal is to become a survivor. And you just put your team in place to win that medal. Same principle.
0: Absolutely agree. So we are starting to run short on time. And we are going to put you through the gauntlet of random questions. I don't even think I, uh, oh, yeah, gosh. I know I you have no crap for that, but I need a couple minutes here to share a quick story. So this is how I met Patrick Dempsey. The Dempsey Center, so I I was really involved with the Dempsey Center and I've been really involved with the Dempsey Center pretty much for most of my cancer journey. And I was over at the Dempsey Center for they had a bunch of us over there doing some marketing materials. Like I was, I was recording an interview about my journey and how the Dempsey Center was helping us along the way. And this was so this would have been a couple of years ago. And and I'm over there and I'm, and I'm doing this stuff. And I knew – and it's people are like, oh, Patrick's around. Patrick's around today. Like, oh, oh, the whispers begin. Yeah, the whispers begin. Like, <laughs> I
1: was
0: like, oh, that's cool. Like maybe I'll run into him. You know, I, I had not met you before. And so the day goes by and I, I didn't have a chance to meet you, but I, I was about to go home. So I'm walking down. The steps. This is at the. So there's two physical locations for the Dempsey Center for those who don't know. There's one in Lewiston, Maine, and one in South Portland, Maine. And also, of course, the um, Dempsey Connects virtual. But I was walking downstairs, going home, and I'm walking out into the parking lot. It's a beautiful sunny day. And I, all, all of a sudden, I see Patrick standing by his car with one, <laughs> with one of my good friends, Lona Farrell, who, so Lona is, oh man. Lona is an inspiring cancer survivor warrior. She um, was one of the first people to welcome me into group support and was there for me. Like every Wednesday, Lona would be there with amazing stories of inspiration and just an amazing person, so Lona. I know you're going to be listening to this. You are awesome. So Lona's just chatting it up with Patrick. They're sitting by his car, just talking away. And I, and and I wasn't going to stop. I'm walking by and I kind of waved over. And Lona just like she waves me over. She's like, "Oh, come on over. Let's like let's talk." And, and I was like, "Okay." So I talk over. I go over. I'm like, "Hi, I'm Trevor Maxwell. He's, I'm Patrick Dempsey." I was like, oh, "Nice, <laughs> nice to meet you." <laughs> um. And and we had a great conversation. And you asked me about my life and my family. And, and I said, you know, I, I think you're leaving. Like, I don't want to hold you up. And, and you were like, no, no, not at all. And we ended up talking for probably 15 minutes out in the parking lot. And then, you know, we wrapped up our conversation. So that was my first time meeting you in person, which was wonderful. And then you went on your way and Lona's standing there. And I, I look over to Lona. I was like, wow, that, that was awesome. Thanks so much for introducing me. Like how long have you known Patrick? She goes, Oh, I just met him. I ran into him in the parking lot. I, <laughs>
2: I mean, I love going to the center because I get to see people. I get to, to talk to people and I get to understand what's going on. And, you know, it's been hard the last year because I haven't been around as much in person. And, of course, no one's been at the center. But those are the key moments. Yeah. Those are the moments that I really enjoy. And they're really informative. And then we, get, we look at the relationships <laughs> you develop. You know, That's that are so great. great. I love it. So that was, and then you also you came down and you spoke in front of the board one day too, and you know you 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 know, and I think it was right around the time you were starting to go, I want to start this man up the cancer. Yes, this idea was starting to. Well, you helped
0: inspire me. Because I was, yeah, th- I was just percolating on the guy issue, and you talked about that that stuff with the, the Dempsey Center and facing the same challenge, and, and you encouraged me to keep at it and to keep you posted, and so and that's when things started snowballing for me to put it all together. So thank you.
2: No, thank you. I mean, it was good because we were like, okay, this has been an issue. How do we reach men? You know, how do we get? people to open up and to communicate and it's happening it's happening yeah through your journey and through your experiences i mean look at the impact you are making
0: i appreciate that i certainly did not have that intent but i really appreciate it so now we are closing in on time it is time to put patrick dempsey through the scary gauntlet of random questions (laughs) these are quick quick fire we got five of them Wait, first of all, are you prepared for this? I don't know if you are.
2: I, I don't have I have no so, idea what's no gonna happen. Okay. So yeah, I'm prepared as much as I will be. I will <laughs> I know
1: I'm, I'm getting ready. He's stretched out. <laughs> all,
0: right. all right. I picked five of my best questions. Okay. If you could be any athlete in the world for a single event, past or present, any athlete for a single event, what who would you choose?
2: Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. I mean, oh, any athlete. Yeah, any athlete.
0: Oh I mean, there's gosh. so many great sports to pick. at it could be.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, um, you know, Inmar-Stanmark would be great. I think in a World Cup, you know, championship, that would be there something to, to, to be able to do. Um,
1: you have a lot of interest, it seems like, also in car, yeah, racing. The car racing. So I feel well, like. Well, I was just thinking, yeah. I was like, which
2: car racer would I <laughs> want to do? You know, Sterling Moss at the Mille Miglia and I think the, the Targa one of those races in the 50s. <laughs> If I could be in the car at oh. that moment, I think that would
1: be phenomenal. Yes. Um, Wait, is that just in the car or in driving? Because that sounds <laughs> like you just want to, like, <laughs> no, that, <that's> sporting <laughs>
2: event. That would be the sporting yeah. event. So yeah. it
1: would be that race. Yeah. It would be 1955.
2: I think it was 55. He did that, maybe? Or 53, something like that. That's would be one super of those. cool. To go back, that would be quite something, I think. All right. Yeah, so there you go. There's what was
0: two. What was the worst style choice Patrick Dempsey ever made? <laughs> <laughs> this could be clothing, hair. I mean, like, I,
2: mean, I, I, I mean, there's been so many. There's been so many. It's That's the great thing of, you know, you look back and you sort of see all those fashion trends that you go through and you're like, oh, what was I possibly thinking? <laughs>
1: well, I so, feel like your career has spanned some of the most iconic fashion ages yeah. of like the 80s and it's 90s. It's crazy. It's
2: been over 30 some odd years. So, yeah, I mean, it started in the late, well, it started in the 80s and 90s and now. So... I mean, each decade there's a mistake. Each week there's a mistake. So, <laughs> all everything. right, you're not going to go with one. Got it. Mm, I, had, I, I, don't. There's a lot of them. That's <laughs> to go.
0: What is your go-to sandwich? Turkey and cheese. Simple. Classic.
2: Yeah. Yes. Uh, I made one yesterday, so I had to do like a chicken breast, and I chopped it up. And then I just had it like a baguette, mm. and then did a little there mayonnaise, and then I—that was—that's—that was, that was it—with some Pringles. Actually. <laughs> See, people, Patrick Dempsey, very low maintenance with the sandwich selection:
0: turkey and cheese, turkey and cheese. Yeah. Would you rather travel back in time to meet your ancestors or into the future to meet your descendants?
2: Oh wow, that's a great question.
0: I know. I'm giving you a lot of questions that you'd like like to do both. I would
2: like to, you know, yeah, I'd like to go back in order to inform what I'm doing now. Cool. So that it affects
1: what's coming. That's so thoughtful. Like, that's not just like. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because, you
2: know, you want to look at your family dynamic and all the stuff that goes into it, right? And we all have our good sides to our family dynamic and the negative. I'd like to go back and see what formed those dynamics and then not hand them down to the next generation. Damn, yeah. he just Which is what our... Yeah. which is I think I, no, I'm in therapy so I <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah. yeah, I feel like if I went back,
1: I'd be nervous about who who and what I'm finding. You know, like <laughs> it's like like you know those shows that are like really into the ancestry and they talk about like and you're like, "Oh, I they are intrigued and then also yeah. like do I want to know? Like, go ahead. Go ahead. yeah, like
2: 1830s. <laughs> yeah. That would be interesting to go back to that period. You know, I'd like to see before the Gilded Age and to kind of see what was happening at that time. I mean, it'd be very hard living. Yeah, would be an Aquarian society. Be Depending on where the ancestors would right. be, in what country they would be in,
0: right? Who knows? Well, you—we uh, got one more question for you, the most oh, important one. Yeah, this but, one's uh, gonna make uh, or just, break your yeah. your. <laughs> but <laughs> I will say, it? you just—you you did elevate the gauntlet today with your with your deep thinking, which we appreciate. Yeah. Because yep. Well, it was a good we're question. Meatheads. Okay, so this is crucial because there is a raging debate in the man up to cancer community. It's it's kind of fifty fifty on what the answer is: pineapple on pizza. Yes
2: or no? Oh, geez, This is a huge <laughs> debate right now. I can't we, believe you brought yeah, me into it. We are even
1: on opposite sides of this. Don't tell I him. do I,
2: I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want it on my pizza. Yes, my favorite person in the world, Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> but, you know, but there's a camp that, and I think I was listening to it on NPR or something like that. There was this whole discussion about it. And there was a, and I, I've never liked it. You know, it. I feel Thank like- Thank you.
1: I'm still going to take the side that I'm on one because we had a world renowned chef on the podcast Oh, please! and he said no ingredient can be, (laughs) you know, like it's all about how it's made, not the ingredient itself. So there we go. The answer is no.
2: Yeah, Yeah, sure. As long as it doesn't have pineapple on the pizza, I'll eat it.
0: So thanks for sharing some laughs with us. Um, That's a wrap for today. But before we get off again, just a heartfelt thank you. Take a deep breath before I get there. Um, I don't know what my cancer journey would look like without the impact of the, of the Dempsey center. And that starts with you on down to everyone there. So thank you again. And thank you for this relationship and friendship and for, for caring about me and my family. It means the world to us. It means the
2: world to me too. I mean, you know, talking with you, seeing what's going on, it just, uh, it empowers me to work harder at the center to, to be more involved, to, 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 to do a better job. Um, because you're you're inspiring so many people. You're inspiring me. You're inspiring the community. You're inspiring so many men. You've taken this adversity. You've turned it around and made something very positive in it. And um, just keep fighting, man, and just
1: you know, stay connected to your heart. Thank and just you. Just keep going. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Thanks, Patrick.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see
0: you next time on the uh, Next Man Up to Cancer podcast. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open.